Welcome to the Mar Experience Stories of Recovery. I'm Matt Shedd. Well, there's not too much to say about this one. You just need to hear it. Art came in, sat down, and told its story. I didn't even need to ask him any questions. He just opened up the floodgates and let it come out. So here he is, Art S. And I just feel like I'm back in my old DJ. Okay, you used to DJ? I used to DJ at a little 1,000-watt country music station in Arab, Alabama. Oh, wow. We Now we're going to listen to Dolly Parton sing or whatever. Now, I don't know how you want to do this, but... Uh, yeah, no, you're yeah. good. I didn't take my first drink until I was 21 years old. I needed to drink long before that. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. Once I found that effect, I was hooked. I needed that effect long before I drank alcohol. Long before. And obviously our conversation, let me do this. Our conversation will be based on 21 years of sobriety. If we were having this conversation at five years, it'd be a lot different. Uh... Not that my story has changed. My understanding of my experience is radically different today. I am finally through blaming society. I hope I don't get emotional. I'm through blaming family. I'm through blaming, blaming. I mean, it's, you know, until an alcoholic takes personal responsibility for their behavior, personal responsibility they'll never get better I, I had no hope there was no solution for me until i realized that i was the problem so with that all being said uh the the context i want to make sure uh, is clear that what i say today is based on a rather lengthy period of time i did not intend to stay sober 21 years I just wanted the monkey off my back. so my, But my experience is coming from that long of time. And, it, I mean, man, c- compared to my sponsor and a lot of other people that I know, I'm just a baby in this thing. I'm just getting started. So I, that's exciting. Man, I'm an old man, and I'm excited about what's going to happen now. The next 20 years, good Lord, man. That's just, it's it's amazing. Okay, so um, I didn't drink till I was 21. I needed to long before then. Um, and when I say I needed to, I needed to because I was restless, irritable, and discontent. I had no reason to be restless and irritable and discontent. I mean, my family was a Christian family. We grew up in church every time the doors was open. At uh, When I was a senior in high school, 1972 or 1973, I was the treasurer of a political machine trying to keep alcohol from coming into the dry county where I lived and where my church family was, Marshall County, Alabama. I decided during that campaign, that last campaign that I was part of, that I was going to drink sometime some day I was going to drink at a country music club on Cushman Street in Fairbanks, Alaska. I drank my first Canadian Club and 7-Up, and by the time I finished my second one, I knew I had found the answer. 
And it was just like that. It was just like that. Man, I was the handsomest guy in the bar. I could dance like a fool. And if you girls didn't want to dance with me, man, that was your loss. It was horrible today, looking at it back. It was horrible what alcohol done to me. It made me somebody that I wasn't. I was a scared little boy. 96, I came to Mar in like December of 96, I came to Mar the first time. And I don't, I don't want to talk about all that drinking, but from January or from May of 1976 to December of 1996, I had drank enough to make up for starting late. And I'd done a lot of other stuff. I mean, it was not alcohol. It was what do you got? And I... I found cocaine in, let me tell it like this, I landed, I'm a sales guy by nature, I just, I love what I do, and I don't consider myself a sales guy, I consider myself a product information specialist, I can show you a reason why you ought to buy what I'm selling. And, and I'm pretty good at that. And I'm not a used car salesman, I try to, today I can't do what I do without integrity. And uh, so the in in '96 I'd landed the biggest count in Birmingham, Alabama that I'd ever landed, and I knew that deal was gonna. This high school graduate, barely graduated high school, no college, no education, no nothing, just several gifts that God gave me, and I landed this account, and I'm gonna make six figures. And I know I'm going to walk home with a, this year, I'm going to walk home with a W-2 that's bigger than $100,000. And that was, in 96, that was just astounding. I, did, I, I was the only high school graduate I knew that was going to rake in that kind of dough. So I threw myself a party, invited my customers that helped me get there to this party. It's on an expense account. It's not out of my pocket. It's on an expense account. Two or three dancing girls. And uh, one of them stayed after the party. There was powdered alcohol, cocaine, and alcohol, lots of it. Man, it was, it was a party. It was a celebration. And uh, this girl stayed after and said, have you ever smoked it? And I said, that sounds like crack. She says, not the way I cook it. Those are her exact words. And so I said, okay. And uh, so... I hit crack the first time. And my exact words, pardon me, but my exact words as I exhaled, and that hit hit me. Oh, shit, baby. I'm in trouble now. And to be graphic, I immediately come out of all my clothes, and I'm standing on my head in the corner while she holds the crack pipe for me to extenuate the high from the hit. Insane, insane stuff. And that's the way it was. And uh, I thank God for crack cocaine. Alcohol was going to get me to Mar or to the grave. I don't know which. But uh, crack got me here a lot quicker than the alcohol was going to do it. I came to Mar in December of 96. It's a 90-day program. I've got 88. I got 
a three-month short-term disability with the company I'm working for. I'm there in 92. I was their salesman of the year. I was a big, I was a big wig. And uh, Mar saw I did so well in that 90-day program. They let me go at 88 days because my short-term disability was expiring, and that wasn't Mar's decision. That's my sales job. Hey, I got to go back to work. I believe Mar staff knew that I was not going to stay sober as I walked out of that building that day. I didn't know that. I thought I had it whipped. Man, I've completed the. I've done it. First time in my life I had actually finished something I started. That takes more than five minutes, you know. I'd finished a lot of things that only took five minutes, but this was 90 days. 90 days? How do you do that? And I did it. 88 days. Sorry. Went back to my AA meetings and uh, turned six months. Went to the AA meeting to pick up a six-month chip. They didn't have one. They offered me two 90-day chips, and that offended me. How dare you? And by nine months, I was using again. Work was horrible. Work was crazy. And family life wasn't too good. And uh, so I used again. And in January of 98, I hit what is my current bottom. And I can't describe it. All, all hope was gone. Everything was gone. Everything was gone. The job, the big job, the reputation I had on that job was all gone. The family didn't want anything to do with me. It was all gone. I come in. I, I get a customer in Dothan, Alabama to come and pay $70 on my motel bill so I could leave the motel and get out of Dothan, Alabama without getting arrested. They already knew the motel management knew, and so they, so he came and paid that. He made me promise to go back to Mar, and I promised him I would. But I scheduled the timing where it was a Wednesday. I came to Mar on a Wednesday because I knew the staff and everybody is usually gone from the facility on Wednesday up at the lake for the spiritual day at the campground. And uh, so... Well, Doug Brush had got a promotion, and the whole staff was at the table in the break room having lunch when I walk in. And Dave David, oh, Art, it's so good to see you, jumps up and comes to hug me. And and I'm, I'm not fit to be alive, man. I have burnt everything I've ever had of anything worthwhile to the ground, and Dave David wants a hug. And uh, Doug said, come on in. We went in his office. I took my coat off. I had on a short sleeve shirt. I showed him my arms. I said, I need help. He didn't say, we've already give you our best shot. He didn't say none of that. He said, we can get you in a 23-hour admit over at Peachford. We can't take you like you are. We've got to get you in a, a detox. And so we did that. And uh, never once did I hear him say, we can't help you. It was arms wide open. Whew. 
I go to detox and it was longer than 23 hours. I don't know how long I stayed at detox. But there's an old doctor that came in, sat on the corner of my bed, and said, "We got to do this. Uh, we got to do this some evaluation. I think he called it real quick. Bang, bang, bang. In a hurry. Got to do this evaluation. And man, I'm, I'm holding my mud. I'm angry. I'm mad. I ain't got. I'm not going. You ain't got time for me. I ain't got time for you. And I didn't like doctors to start with, man." Doctors were way up on my resentment list. There's a whole big reason why that was when I actually finally made a resentment list. But, but I seen him. I saw him as a doctor, and I ain't got you. Ain't got time for me. I ain't got time for you. You know. And uh, in a minute, man, I just I wasn't even answering his question. I was just grunting. In a minute, I can still hear that metal chart that had all my paperwork in it clang. And I felt him sit down on the side of the bed. And uh, I'm not even, uh, my eyes may have been open. I may not even had my eyes open, but I felt him sit down on the side of the bed. And he said, son, let me tell you something. The way you're going, you're going to be dead soon. I was you a few years ago. Today I give back taking these assessments from other clients coming along the path that I've come along. There is hope for you if you'll do it. But if you come at us with that attitude, you'll be dead in a few months. And I don't even remember that doctor's name, Doug Wood. I don't even remember that doctor's name. But when years later, a couple of three or four or five, ever how long it was, several years later, I received an award from Mara that I didn't even deserve then. I still don't deserve it. I mean, God's grace is powerful. But... Uh, that doctor, I owe a debt of gratitude to. What an awesome message he carried. And uh, so it was January the 20th of 98 when I showed Doug my arms and we started. And uh, today I've not come close to relapse. And it scares me. If I made a fears list, like they teach us in the steps, relapse would still be up there on the top. As old as I am now, probably having enough at retirement would eclipse relapse by a little bit. But that's probably a, that's probably a joke. I believe that I have a greater fear of using again, drinking again, than I do of anything because that will be if I drink again that'll be self will run right that'll be self taken over again if I don't have enough money at retirement guess what the big guy that's helped me today to be where I'm at will take care of that too mm -hmm. and I know that as well as I know my name I know that so, um, things that Mar did for me, and and I'm not sure what all you want to let me uh, what what all we want to address, but I want to talk about what Mar did for me, um, because I've told several people, and that I've sponsored over the years, that uh, you, you know it's great. You're in a rehab facility. That's awesome. Mar's the best place I ever been. Best place I know of. I can't say enough good about Mar. But their obligation to me, I started 
this about personal responsibility. Their obligation to me is to give me a big book and tell me where the meetings are and push me in that direction with whatever means they got to push me in. One of the means they got is to make me make my bed, put me back out on the street if I don't make my bed in the morning. You know, that was that was the 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 fear that was hanging over me was, okay, I better do this. You know, I won't have a bed to get in tonight if I don't. I was at that's where I was. That was my bottom. I I, I had to do what Mar suggested I do. Or I'm homeless. Capital H O. Anyway. Um so I, there my my feeling was today is still Mars obligation was completely fulfilled when they pointed me to Alcoholics Anonymous or the the twelve step fellowship that I needed to go to. Mars didn't push me to Alcoholics Anonymous. I couldn't do Alcoholics Anonymous when I first got here because I was a cocaine addict. And there was some guy when I introduced myself at a meeting I didn't know any better. I do now today. I wouldn't do this today. But at an AA meeting on Sunday night, I said, I'm an alcoholic and an addict. And the guy leading the meeting, old guy, been around a long time, very solid member of Alcoholics Anonymous, in front of the whole group said, well, if I was an and to anything, I'd be an and to woman chaser. He, he embarrassed me in front of the group. Well, a little bit about sponsorship. I had my... Uh, sponsor at the time we were working the steps but I and I was talking to him about everything that went on to him and that made me mad and I said uh, went to the guy after the meeting and I said old timer you've been around a long time and I'm just new I'm just getting started but you've helped me a lot tonight he said well I'm glad I did I said no what you've helped me with is I have a burning resentment at you and I'm not going to fight you which is my MO but I'm going to keep track of you and when you die I'm going to come pee on your grave He didn't know how to take that. Then I made a mistake of sharing it with my sponsor, and I had to go back to that man and apologize for my attitude and what I said. And uh, that was the first lesson in doing what I didn't want to do. I didn't want, I didn't want to talk to that guy. I wanted to fight that. I wanted to punch that guy out because he embarrassed me. He hurt my ego. Today I learn about singleness of purpose. I respect the fellowship I'm in. That's, to me, more than anything else, what singleness of purpose means. I simply respect the fellowship that I'm participating in at that moment. And that's the least I can do for anybody is show someone else respect. Uh, so I'm sitting in a group. Yule Hardman is the, the facilitator of the group. And I'm on one side of the room. And laughter breaks out from the other side of the room. And it turns out that that laughter was something completely off of what Ewell and I were talking about in the group. Ewell asked me if I claimed a sexual addiction. And at that time, I did. I, I owned, I had walked into a uh, convenience store to get a bottle of water or Coke. And there was a rack of magazines up there. And the feeling I got as I walked into that rack of magazines, was the same feeling that I'd get when I'd get the crack ready. And I said that in that group that Saturday morning. And you will ask the question, are you claiming a sexual addiction? And I said, well, yes, I am. And at that moment, 
unrelated, but laughter broke out over there, and I thought they were laughing at me. Now my ego gets in the way again, and I stand up. I'm ready to fight. I'm going to fight. I'm fixing to knock some heads. Yule calms me down. But we get together after the meeting, and he said, I heard you claim a sexual addiction. Do you need an opportunity to work that? And Mar started a men's issues group as a result of me nearly getting thrown out of Mar. If I would went back there and punched one of them, Mar would have had to throw me out. By the grace of God, that didn't happen. And then even larger ex- exhibition of grace. Mar started a group where I was safe to work on. If you go to an AA meeting and you say anything sexual, it'll break out in laughter. You sit in a big group, therapy group here, and you say something having to do with sex or men's intimate issues, and women have them too. I've learned that. I didn't know that then. I thought I was the only weirdo that had the sexual fantasies and stuff that I had going in my head. But Mar started that men's group. Rick McCain facilitated it. And, and the first meeting, I think it was just me and him and maybe one more guy. It's a very safe place to work through the the things that I felt like, given my religious upbringing, would keep me from making it to the hereafter as a success my behavior there was that it, grace didn't cover that stuff today i know grace covers that stuff too and i'm a, i'm a whole i'm a good father i'm a good husband all those dream, <laughs> all those dreams i i had as a kid i am today because of you know Shoot, really, it's because of the addiction. If God hadn't sent cocaine in my way, alcohol would have done it. It took longer. But God was gracious in sending cocaine into my path. And then I had to do something, and I found more. I didn't find more. I I was sent to a outpatient treatment place in Huntsville, Alabama, that had a Mar, former Mar client facilitating that. And she says, you need to go to Mar. Thank God for Lori. God, thank God for Lori. I am a whole man, more than I've ever been in my life. Now, am I perfect? Don't ever hear that. No, sir. And and I'm, you know, at times I'm hard to live with. I know I am. At times I'm hard to live with. I'm at times I'm hard to work for. I'm supervising people. I'm managing people. First time in my sobriety, and it's tough. It's tough. But I'm better today by far than I ever dreamed I'd be. Every problem that has surfaced since I quit drinking that I have chosen to look at calmly and slowly process through it, I've dealt with. I've dealt with. Uh, I don't, you know, we can't even air the stuff that the detail that I'm willing to get into, but you can't you can't put that out uh, of issues that were crowding my head. Evil had me convinced in my mind that there was no hope for me. There was no hope for me. That 
doing what I had done, you can't come back from that. And so I hung out and I hung out and I kept hanging on, kept hanging on. I was loved by people that I, I didn't even know knew me. And today, I'm still a sinner. I'm still a sinner. But I have no idea. When, it, when, when AA says God is you understand him, I've got no idea. I don't understand God. How can he love me so big? How, <laughs> how can... How can the people that have helped me along the way love me so big you know and and that's a rhetorical question because i've been able to hand it off to some people god has blessed me to be a conduit of what mar did for me and what aa did for me what the recovery fellowship did for me i've been able to hand that off and so now then i get to see i get to see how that works and i think i know for the most part how it works with uh, for me, but I had no idea that God's grace was that powerful. Uh, it's I can't describe it. <laughs> I am a a good father. I am a good grandfather. I am a good husband. I'm a good employee. I'm a decent human being facilitate participating in society I, i've got no greater goal that that was my dream when i was a kid that's where i feel like i am today and please don't ever hear me say i'm perfect i am still a sinner saved by grace review every night before i go to sleep i'll be laying there in the bed hugging the woman that i love dearly She'll be laying on my arm, or we'll be cuddled some way in the. And I'll I'll go to sleep thanking God for the day, looking back at different things that I've done during the day, and how do I need to fix that, and do I need to do anything with that? Do I need you know? And most of the time, I go off to sleep in complete and utter gratitude for. That grandson that's asleep in the next bedroom over there, and how I'm able to be a part of his life. That granddaughter that's in Texas with a family struggle, and I'm able to participate in her life. Everything's not perfect, but by golly, when uh, I looked in the mirror in the Dothan room in the in the Dothan motel room, I looked in the mirror. Let me. I had a bottle of Crown Royal. I had a needle full of cocaine. And I had a crack pot with a crack rock sitting on top of it. And I took a swig of alcohol. I jammed the needle in my arm and I hit the crack pot. All in. I'm all in. And I look in that mirror. Okay, God, is that enough? I pass out. And today, yes, it's enough. What God has done for me from there, from that hideousness to where I sit today, 
if it never gets no better and you heard me say i'm excited about the next 20 years oh man you know if if it's this good in 20 wait till it's 40 mm-hmm. but if this is all there is it's enough and more than enough there's a question in the book, big book that says have you a substitute and i i'm a walking living breathing testimony yes what AA offers is a full-blown substitute and so much more than I ever dreamed it would be. I want to be careful in addressing who might see or hear what I'm saying as it relates to early recovery. Because when, when I first came in, there is, okay, I'm sitting listening to a guy that sobriety dates 98 He's been sober for 20 years. He can't relate to me. Now, you know, I had guys. I knew guys when I came in in January of 98 that had 15 years of sobriety, 20 years of sobriety. They can't be like me. My sponsor, the guy that I chose to be my sponsor is a Mar alumni. He had like five or six or seven years. He couldn't. He was an arrogant son, tall, arrogant guy, and I've t- I've had this conversation with him. He he's one of he's one of he's helped more people than anybody I know in early recovery. He's helped more people than anybody I know. Unbelievable helper in early recovery. But he had so much time. He had to be lying. You can't stay sober that long. You hear me? Mm-hmm. So okay, so. The message is, the message is try something different. Just be, just be a little bit willing to try something different. And and then, and and to the and to the family, uh, it, it as long as you're breathing, there's hope. But if if you become willing as a family member to send your family member to treatment do everything in your power to stay out of the way trust the treatment center whether it be mar or wherever it be but trust if you send them to mar trust mar i'm a walking living testimony that mar knows what they're doing and they're willing they didn't have this men's group that i needed then they knew they needed it that's what you will said in his office up there they knew they needed it but it just never had come to fruition. But boy, they made—they moved heaven and earth and scheduled different times and all sorts of stuff they did to make that where I was taken care of. And then family members, when you turn them over to treatment, get out of the way, boy. Treatment, that's what, that's what MAR does. They help people. 100% success rate? Nah, nah. Uh, but for those that are willing to try something different they're successful the family members that are willing to stay out of the way and let mar do what mar does um wow then yeah i'm willing to bet you that they have a hundred percent success rate when those two requirements are met wow i haven't heard it put better than that this has been a real pleasure. I didn't, I didn't really have to do anything. Just had to sit here. So thank you. I didn't know how this would be, but I'm really grateful. 
Thanks for listening to the Mar Experience Stories of Recovery. I'm Matt Shedd. Our show is co-produced by Angela Edmonds and our executive producer is David Tate. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.